0: Second Corinthians, starting in the beginning. Uh, we, so we've just finished 1 Corinthians, which had been written. Um, and this letter also gives us evidence that there is a painful visit after that letter where uh, Paul showed up because they just rejected his teaching. And so he shows up and uh, persuades, demonstrates the power of the Spirit, and, and brings uh, some of them back. Uh, to following after the way that he was teaching, they were having other uh, people show up, you know, calling themselves greater apostles than than Paul, and and uh, speaking down to Paul and telling them that they should go their way uh, because they were rich and they were powerful and and their way was much better than Paul's. And Paul is now addressing them with a new letter. This letter is beautiful, and then it it, it speaks uh, of the deep things of the spirit, of the kingdom life. And he's going to try to, you know, again, get their attention to speak about these things so that they will recognize that the spiritual life is not the same as the physical life and that there is much more for them to enter into than simply grabbing hold of a religion that feels good to the flesh. So Paul starts out by telling us that Timothy's with him and that he's writing to Corinth. And he blesses them with grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Blessed be the Father of our Lord Jesus, who is the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So, Paul is saying he's continually comforted by God, and thus he is able to provide that comfort. He says, yes, I, am, I continually suffer for Christ, but God continually comforts me. He's demonstrating this is actually the way into the life. And that by their wanting to avoid suffering, avoiding a, a teacher, an apostle who suffers, they are actually avoiding the way into the life. Because he's demonstrating this is the way in. He says, but if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. He's saying the Lord makes us go through things for your benefit. And if you go through th- through these things too, you you will endure much, but you will be blessed all the more. He says, I want you to make, to make you aware of the suffering that we've had in Asia. We've been burdened excessively beyond our strength, despairing of life. We had the sentence of death on us, so we couldn't even trust in anything. But God, who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death, and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope. And he says, and he... Will yet deliver us. You also joining in helping us through your prayers, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. So he's saying, you're participating through your prayers. Your prayers have real spiritual power, and the the blessing that comes through this deliverance is unto you as well through your prayers. So Paul is going to say. He, he's going to say later in the letter what he's not basing his pride on. And this is, he says, this is what our, my proud confidence is in the testimony of our conscience. That is that in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially toward you for we write nothing else to you that what you read and understand. And I hope you will understand until the end, just as you also partially did understand us that we are your reason to be proud, as you also are ours in the day of our Lord Jesus. So he's saying he's not hes not basing anything on worldly wisdom, but he's living in holiness and godly sincerity and relying on the grace of God, nothing of man. So this is a, a powerful thing. Just as you also partially did understand that we are your reason to be proud, as you also are ours in the day of our Lord Jesus. That this fellowship, this building up of the body of Christ is a reason to be proud when we stand before him and under judgment. More than that, that as we live for each other, for him first and foremost, but for each other, that we we go beyond this. And Chapters 3 through 5 especially is going to talk about this, but we're building up towards that right now. And so then he talks about kind of his travels that he planned to come through there on the way to Macedonia and then through there again on the way back. But he says his his plans and his ideas are determined by God, not by his own will. And so because he always lives according to this way, he's always bringing the blessing of God because he's on God's work, not his own. So... If he didn't make it through there, it's because God had a, a different way for him to go. And that should be a blessing. That his teachings are not about, you know, here's a list of do's and here's a list of don'ts. But the life of the Spirit, and he's living it, and this is the way they should be going as well. If you're always continually saying yes in him, you don't have to worry about no's. Because you're continually growing in the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, and he will lead you into all good things. It's only when we live a, a, a life half in the spirit, half in the world, that we have to continually struggle with these ways and these ideas. 20. For as many as are the promises of God in him, they are yes. Therefore also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God. Who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. So he says, It's God and God alone who establishes us, establishes us in Christ and anointed us. And he seals us and he gives us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge of this life that we are being brought into. And he ends this chapter by saying that you are standing firm in the faith. And then we'll move on to chapter two. And here he, he mentions the difficult uh, visit that he had had. He says, but I determined this for my own sake, that I would not come to you again in sorrow. For if I cause you sorrow, who then makes me glad but the one whom I made sorrow for? This is the very thing I wrote to you, so that when I came, I would not have sorrow from those who ought to make me rejoice, having confidence in you all that my joy would be the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not so that you would be made sorrowful, but that you might know the love which I have especially for you. So he'd, he'd much rather come with joy and be a joy when he comes than to become admonishing them. And so he had previously written them out of much affliction and anguish of heart uh, with many tears, uh, not so that they'd be made sorrowful, but that they might know the love which he has for them. And so apparently there's one that had caused uh, it just been incredibly uh, vicious towards Paul. And so Paul says, starting in five, But if any has caused sorrow, he has caused sorrow not to me, but in some degree, in order not to say too much to all of you. So Paul's indicating he has more spiritual understanding than, than they're going to have on this matter. But he says, I'm not worried about myself. I'm more worried about him causing trouble to you. Even though he's attacking me, it's really a trouble to you more than it is a trouble to me. Six, sufficient for such a one is this punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, so that on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, such a one might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So he says this one, the way you've treated him for being vicious towards me has already been sufficient. So go ahead and forgive him now. Um, so that it, it's, it's not, uh, overwhelmingly, uh, you know, too much of uh, for, for the, uh, viciousness that he did to, towards me. 8. Wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. For to this end also I wrote, so that I might put you to the test, whether you are obedient in all things. But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ, so that no advantage will be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. So he says, take him back in, show him the love of Christ, and this itself is a test for you to see if you're obedient in all things, because obviously quite a schism had erupted between them. He says, if you forgive him, I forgive him. I, I this is a powerful concept. He's he's not holding umbrage about anything. He says, if the body of Christ forgives, I forgive. I will hold on to nothing in and of myself. But do we have that forgiving heart? Do we say we forgive, but we still kind of hold on? Or do we truly forgive everyone and everything? Um, it's a funny thing about holding on to... Uh, the word grudge is the only thing that's come to mind. There's better words than that. Bitterness, resentment, whatever the thing is that we're holding on. Where someone has hurt us in some way. And, you know, a lot of times we, 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 can, we, we grew up Christians, or we are Christians, so we know we should forgive, and so we say we forgive, but we still hold on to the bitterness or resentment. And time passes. It's us that are hurt from that more than the person we're being uh, unforgiving towards the evil one works in our hearts and our minds to control us through bitterness and resentment more so than the person that that we're bitter and resentment for whatever they did to hurt us and so he's he's saying i don't hold on to these type of things if someone has hurt they've repented and and you as the body uh, closer you know to them forgives I forgive. Even though I was the one who he was being vicious towards, I forgive. It's, it's, not, it's not something that I'm going to hold on to whatsoever. And he does this forgiveness. He says, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. So he said, I know how Satan works in hearts and minds of individuals and collectively amongst groups to stir up disunity and strife and this is how he controls us. He says I understand fully that he does that and I fully forgive. Not just as like saying I, the words I forgive, but I've truly laid it down. Next paragraph's kind of uh just what he was doing. He said he came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, a door was opened to him in the Lord, but he had no rest for my spirit not finding Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went on to Macedonia. And then he gets back, and says, 14, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing to the one an aroma from death to death, to the other an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like many, peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. So this last paragraph is really the beginning of the next few chapters, where he really starts to speak about what kingdom life is all about. So he starts it out by thanking God. And he, he says, God leads us in triumph in Christ. And so he's, he's leading us on a triumphant path, that narrow path that, that leads to triumph, that leads to Christ and manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. So an aroma is something we can't see, we can't touch, and yet we know it's there. And so he's saying God is manifest through us, through this this otherworldly reality that we, we, we can't perceive in any way other than through spirit, through faith, in the knowledge of him in every place. So wherever we go, we' we're, the knowledge of God is is increasing in us through this walk of faith, and then he said that we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved. so just as he said that the knowledge of him is this aroma, now he says, we ourselves are a fragrance. Of Christ to God among those who are being saved and so we also in the spirit appear as something that can be spiritually discerned but is not obvious to those that we are appearing to it's not there's not some fancy hat that we wear that declares to the world that we are actually under the power and authority of God to represent him to a place we come meekly as just looking like any ordinary person, but the fragrance of God of Christ in God is is there, and so it it can be attained by those who are open to Him, and and so those people are saved through this faith. But those who, in their hearts, would per, would rather um, choose death, we are an aroma from death to death. So they, because of of where they are, they react violently against who we are, the same aroma, because they are preferred to be led by another spirit. To the one, an aroma from death to death. To the other, an aroma from life to life. Is this fragrance of Christ to God amongst the people that we visit? Depends on who's receptive and who would rather choose the fallen way of the enemy. And then he says, and who is adequate for these things? For we are not like many. He says, says, I'm just me. I'm not adequate to be the fragrance of God in the world that becomes this lightning rod of, of whether you choose the right way or the wrong way. He says, I'm wholly inadequate for that. And yet this is the grace of God. This is the will of God. And I am about his purpose, so this is what I came to do, because this is what he has sent me to do. And he says, for we are not like many. So now he's, he's differentiating himself from these other people that would come along preaching Christ in a very different way. He says, we're not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. So he said, we, we're not coming trying to sell you a certain gospel. We are, trying, we are coming in sincerity from God, and we speak in Christ in the sight of God. So he says, what we are doing about is a holy spiritual thing. We, we come for no other reason, which is different from those um, others who have approached you. And it, it, he's going to get much deeper in it again. It's one of my favorite parts of the Bible we're about to enter into, and we'll get there tomorrow. God bless you.